It's time now for Spears on Sports with John Spears, presented by M&M Carnage. And now, here's Johnny. I made it to Tuesday. Welcome into Spears on Sports, presented by M&M Carnage. John Spears in studio, Tuesday, April 26th. 11 days until Derby 148. It's crazy around these parts this time of year, early morning out at the Downs. Haven't been out yet, but I am looking forward to getting out there and just uh, seeing D. Wayne Lucas sitting up on his pony, watching the horses. Uh, seeing that. One thing I won't see is Bob Baffert. Won't see Bob Baffert. But uh, 11 days till Derby 148. I'm still looking for suggestions. I had Jody Demling on last week, and I told him, look, I'm not going to lie to you. We can talk about UofL basketball and football and recruiting all you want. I just need a Derby horse. This looks like a wide-open Kentucky Derby. Maybe part of it is because there are no Bob Baffert horses. Steve Asmussen has never won the Derby as a trainer, but he's probably going to have the favorite in Epicenter. Other than that, I don't know a whole lot here. I like Messier, but I like the name Messier. I was a New York Rangers fan back in the early 80s when they won one of the few Stanley Cups they've won with Mark Messier. So I like Messier. But I got some uh, updated odds from Westgate in uh, Las Vegas. Maybe we'll look at those if we have time today. We'll definitely get into some Derby talk next week because that is Derby week. M&M Cartage Hotline is open, 502-384-1450 to join in on the conversation, 384-1450. Thornton's text line open as well, 502-414-1450. Don't forget Thornton's. It's the perfect stop for all the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started like fresh coffee, delicious donuts, visit our friends at Thornton's and hit me up on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. NFL Draft Week is here. Uh, We are two days away from the spectacle that will be the NFL Draft. I saw a mock-up of the route today. These guys are taking a red carpet in Las Vegas near Bellagio, actually walking onto a carpet over the water at the Fountains of Bellagio. The fountains will, uh, I guess, be you know exploding as they often do. And then they have to get over to wherever NFL Draft Central is. A couple of questions. And again, it's not a sexy draft because quarterbacks are not a plenty. We don't have the, the draft of the uh, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson days. It's just not that kind of year. There may not be a quarterback selected in the top 20 picks of the draft, which is sort of unheard of. But it's quite possible this year that that's not going to happen. The biggest stories are Baker Mayfield, Debo Samuel, and to a certain extent, Jimmy Garoppolo. Will these guys still be with their teams after the draft is over on Saturday, or is it Sunday? Uh, I remember when the draft was one day. Now we start on Thursday with the first round. Friday, I think we have rounds two and three, and then the four through seven are on Saturday. Does it even bleed into Sunday nowadays? I'm not sure. I'll have to look that up. But there are no sexy quarterbacks. Malik Willis of Liberty, Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh, Sam Howell from North Carolina, and the local flavor Desmond Ritter from the University of Cincinnati and St. Xavier High School, I say proudly. That's about it for the first couple of rounds. 
The big questions are, will Baker Mayfield be traded before or during the draft? Will Debo Samuel be traded before or during the draft? John Lynch, San Francisco general manager, said yesterday, I don't see a scenario where we want to trade Debo Samuel. But if you're the New York Jets, and I said this yesterday, and you believe you have your quarterback, which they do, in Zach Wilson, you have the number four pick and you have the number 10 pick. Would you package those together and send them to San Francisco for Debo Samuel and maybe a, a, their first-round pick? Because Debo Samuel doesn't want to be in San Francisco anymore. He has made that abundantly clear. He's got one year left, and uh, he'll be out of his he'll be out of his contract by the, at the end of that, and he'll be gone. And if you're the Niners, do you get something for him? If you're Debo Samuel, are you going to threaten to sit out the season? Seems to be the thing to do now. Kyler Murray is doing it with Arizona, threatening to sit out the season if he doesn't get a bump in his contract. The other question marks, there are a couple of big names in this draft that uh, that I like. Kayvon Thibodeau, the Oregon Edge, was widely considered a possible overall number one pick before the season started, before the college football season started last year. Now he's just outside of the top ten somewhere, and he's considered a risk. What happened? What happened? Was it? A bad combine? Was it the injury that he suffered during the year? Was it the numbers he put up when he was playing not as good as we thought they were going to be? I'm very interested to see where he goes. And Derek Stingley, the cornerback from LSU. Now, I looked at a uh, at some prop bets yesterday. Derek Stingley's over-under is 9.5, which means will he be selected in the top nine of the draft? You would take under. Will he be selected 10th or later in the draft? You take over. I think he's under, even though most mock drafts project him going after the ninth pick. Not during the ninth pick, not before the ninth pick, but after the ninth pick. But I believe there are teams like Seattle, the Giants who have two first-round picks, five and seven, the Panthers, if they're not looking quarterback, and the Falcons, if they're not looking quarterback, at number eight, who are going to find it very difficult to pass up Derek Stingley if he's there. Now, he got hurt. He didn't play uh, for LSU, but he's worked out for teams. He's gone through the combine, and he seems to be healthy and appears to be one of the best defensive backs in the draft. Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati will go before him. But Derek Stingley is one of those players where it only takes one team to love him to put him up into the top ten, to maybe put him up as high as number seven in the draft. Only takes one team. Are the Giants that team? So those two guys, in a draft where the lack of quarterbacks makes it a bit uninteresting, those two guys make it a little bit interesting. Kayvon Thibodeau at Oregon, Derek Stingley at LSU. Now, Trayvon Walker is going to go number one or number two to the Jaguars or Lions. Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan is going to be the other guy that goes one or two. 
that much we sort of know. After that, it's a crapshoot. It's all about need. What do we need? Do we need an offensive lineman? Do we need help against the run game? Do we need a cornerback? Do we need a safety? Nobody seems to need a quarterback until the draft is over. But if the Panthers don't take a quarterback at number six, which they probably won't, they're stuck with Sam Darnold, right? If the Falcons don't take a quarterback at number eight, which they probably won't, they're stuck with Marcus Mariota. You're going to get down to 19, 16 and 19. New Orleans has both those picks. 20, Pittsburgh has a pick. New Orleans right now is, I guess, a restructured Jameis Winston. Pittsburgh is uh, Mitch Trubisky. And Cleveland is sitting around going, which one of these teams is going to come to us with an offer for Baker Mayfield after they don't get the quarterback they want in the draft? Matt Rule at Carolina, the, the, the head coach, is on the hot seat. He's on the hot seat. How do you get off the hot seat when your team is not expected to be very good? You draft a quarterback. Can he talk management into drafting Malik Willis? Because what you do when you draft a, a rookie quarterback and play a rookie quarterback is you buy yourself some time. Matt Rule can go 6-11 and 11 this coming season, but if Malik Willis is his quarterback and he plays well, Matt Rule can say, hey, look what we're building here. I got my quarterback. Get a couple of pieces around him, and, and we're good to go here. I'm buying myself some time. It didn't work for Matt Nagy in Chicago. He got Justin Fields. He thought it would buy him some time. It didn't. But these, these coaches, and it's not up to Matt Rule, by the way, to draft Malik Willis. It's up to the general manager and the ownership and the, the uh, cadre of people that they put together to do the draft, which may or may not include the head coach, Matt Rule. Probably does, but how much? what percentage of Matt Rule's input, input is really taken into consideration? So Panthers need a quarterback. They're sitting at six. Conventional wisdom is that is too high to draft anybody in this class of quarterbacks because they're not very good. Same with the Falcons at number eight. Yeah, we got Kyle Pitts. We got a great tight end. We expect uh, a lowering of the suspension for our star wide receiver, Calvin Ridley. Maybe he won't have to sit out the entire season. We've lost Matt Ryan to the Colts. We got Marcus Mariota. Do you think if you're Atlanta, you've got the tools to compete if only we have a good quarterback? Maybe you call Cleveland. Hey, what do you want for Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield doesn't want to be a backup to Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. Cleveland doesn't want Baker Mayfield to be a backup to Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. So they're on the same page here. They're on the same page. The question is, who's going to call first? Is it Carolina because they don't get a quarterback in the draft? Is it Atlanta because of the same reason? Is it Pittsburgh? Is it, is it uh, Seattle? who's got the ninth pick here because of the Russell Wilson trade to Denver. This was Denver's pick. It's now Seattle's pick. 
Does Seattle believe in Drew Locke, who they got from the Broncos? Or do they at number nine say, you know what? Malik Willis sort of reminds us of a taller Russell Wilson. Maybe Pete Carroll's in love with Malik Willis and they're not telling anybody. I said this yesterday. Anything you hear from any general manager this week or coach, don't believe it. General managers want to put out false information so that other teams think they know what that general manager and that team wants in their first draft pick. If a GM comes out and says, and I, we love fill in the blank here, we love Kayvon Thibodeau, don't believe them. They're lying. They want someone ahead of them to draft Kayvon Thibodeau and keep their guy that they really want in the draft as long as possible, so maybe he drops to us. That's how it works. But when I look at the top ten, Jacksonville doesn't need a quarterback. Detroit doesn't believe they need a quarterback. They've got Jared Goff. I don't know how much longer that experiment's going to last. Houston seems to be in love with Davis Mills, who played actually very admirably last year. And Houston's not going to take a quarterback at number three. The Jets believe they have their quarterback in Zach Wilson. The Giants, I think, are committed to Daniel Jones for at least one more year. Panthers have Sam Darnold. Falcons, Marcus Mariota. Seahawks, Drew Locke. So, other than Trevor Lawrence, there are no great quarterbacks on any of the teams that are drafting in the top ten. There just aren't. But the problem is... Everybody's being told by every scout and every expert and every mock draft aficionado that these quarterbacks are not good enough to take in the top 10. Was Tom Brady good enough to take in the top 10? No, he was good enough to take in the third round. Right? He wasn't good enough. Was Aaron Rodgers good enough to be taken in the top 10? No, he dropped to the bottom of the draft. What about Lamar Jackson? Same thing. These guys are MVPs. Multiple-time MVPs in some cases. And they weren't drafted in the top 10. If you love a quarterback, if you love Malik Willis, if you love Kenny Pickett, regardless of his hand size, if you love Sam Howell, Yes, you will take grief for taking that quarterback in the top 10. But if you love him, he should be your pick. Because most of these teams need a quarterback. And I'm throwing Detroit in there, even though they got Jared Goff. I'm throwing the Jets in there, even though they got Zach Wilson. I'm throwing the Jets in less voluntarily, because I kind of like Zach Wilson. I'm throwing the Giants in there, even though they've got Daniel Jones. I'm throwing the Panthers and Sam Darnold in there. I'm throwing the Falcons, the Seahawks. Throwing them all in, in the hat here, except for Jacksonville. If you love a quarterback, if you think he fits in your system, if you believe in three years he'll be an all-pro, a pro bowler, then you take him. But that's not going to happen Thursday night. From everything we've heard, that's not going to happen. Because here's the problem as a general manager. 
let's just say you're the GM of the Atlanta Falcons and you got the eighth pick and you believe in Malik Willis. You love him. He's everything you want in a quarterback. He reminds you of Matt Ryan a lot, except he can run a little bit. And you draft him. Two years from now, if he's not a star, you've just lost your job. And that's what this boils down to, to these GMs. Is this a guy I'm willing to risk my livelihood on? My job status in the organization. If he is, you take him. If he's not, you don't take him. All right, we'll take a break. Come back. NBA playoffs were great again last night. We can uh, officially say goodbye to the Brooklyn Nets. It worked out for me. I went two out of three in my picks, and I told you the one game I was going to lose was taking Brooklyn and giving the point there. So if you were listening at all, I may have helped you last night. Phil Mickelson is in the news again. We'll talk about that, Major League Baseball as well. You're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Welcome back, Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. You can call the Eminem Cartage hotline and be part of the program. Voice your opinion at 384-1450, 502-384-1450 to join in on the conversation. Thornton's text line open as well, 502-414-1450. Download Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. We need savings on fuel every day. So download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app and hit me up on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. The Big X golf cards are ready. The card features Chariot Run, Old Capital Golf Club, Elk Run, Valley View, and Christmas Lake in Santa Claus, Indiana. You can play these great courses for under $25 around with the 2022 Big X Sports Radio golf card. Get yours today at BigXSportsRadio.com or call 812-725-1457. Play Chariot Run, Old Capital Golf Club, Elk Run, Valley View, and Christmas Lake. Under $25 around, cart included. Get yours today. Supplies are limited. Uh, Phil Mickelson news. We'll get to that. He uh, has put in his... He has signed up to play in two majors, the PGA Championship and the U.S. Open. He was, he is a defending champion at the uh, PGA, believe it or not. He didn't play in the Masters. It would have been his 30th Masters appearance, but he chose not to compete. The Masters said he was eligible to compete as a former champion, but he chose not to because of all the controversy surrounding uh, Phil and his comments about the Saudi Arabia-financed alternate tour to the PGA that he uh, he made some rather silly statements, tried to retract them, said he was sorry. But uh, he has been out of the limelight for a while. I think it was a good move by Phil. It was a good move by his management team, by his agent to say, sit low for a while here, all right? He got dropped by a bunch of sponsors, including uh, Callaway, I think, suspended him from their account, but Workday, uh, KPMG, who he's been a spon- has been a sponsor of his for a long, long time. They all dropped him. Um, but, you know, he's just been out of the limelight because of the comments about Saudi Arabia and, and really trying to back a tour, in his view, to help the players here. Because I think the, the uh, manner in which Phil went about this was wrong. But the reason he says he did it was because some of the younger players weren't getting treated well enough on tour. 
and he was looking to uh, improve the future of the game. Well, he it, it backfired. He has requested a what is called a conflicting event release to to play in the first of these Saudi Arabia finance events. It's the LIV Golf Invitational in London, England. And it's the same week as the RBC Canadian Open on the PGA Tour. Now, this is I didn't know this, but I've been reading up on this uh, the last 24 hours. This is how it works. Other than the Open Championship, the British Open, formerly known as the British Open, other than that, if you wish to play in a competing tour event, I guess you would say if you're a PGA member, and let's say you want to play in the Dubai Open, or you want to play in a, uh, a European tour event, and there is a PGA tour event scheduled the same week, you need what is called a conflicting event release from the PGA Tour to be allowed to play. Now, this usually doesn't seem like a big deal. You're Phil Mickelson or you're Tiger Woods or you're uh, John Rahm, and you go to the PGA and you say, hey, look, I'm going to play in this event in Dubai. I know it's the same week as the John Deere Open, but I'm not going to play in the John Deere Open anyway. Is it okay if I play in this tournament overseas? And I would assume 99% of the time the answer from the PGA is sure. As long as you pay play in a certain number of PGA Tour events, okay, we got no problem with that. Now, Phil's management team says he has made no decision whether he is going to play in that LIV Golf Invitational in London or not. He also has made no decision whether he's going to play in the PGA Championship or the U.S. Open. But he did register for both of those events, and he has put in for one of those conflicting event releases to the PGA Tour to be allowed to play in the LIV Golf Invitational. We'll see whether he gets that or not. Um, look, it's Phil Mickelson. It's not the level of Tiger Woods, but it's Tiger Woods-like. Phil Mickelson draws crowds. Now, maybe not anymore. He's over 50 years old. He can p- compete on the Champions Tour if he wants to. He doesn't draw the crowds like he used to. He doesn't draw the crowds, never did draw the crowds like Tiger Woods does, but he is still a main attraction on the Professional Golf Association Tour. This is an interesting uh, test for this new um, this new tour that, they're, that the, some of the players are putting, trying to put together. I know Robert Garrigus, who's won a couple of times on the PGA Tour, not recently, um, is part of this new worldwide tour idea. I'm interested to see how this uh, how this works out. And I'm also interested to see the reaction that uh, Phil gets when he shows up at the PGA Championship, when he shows up at the U.S. Open. Because fans don't forget things like this. Fans do not forget things like this. And let's be fair here, all right? These comments that Phil made, they came out in an unauthorized biography, an excerpt from an unauthorized biography that somebody wrote. Phil did say these things, and he says he, his defense is this, these were off-the-record comments. The author of the book, of course, says, no, that's not the case. 
So let's be fair. This is not like Phil got behind a microphone at a press conference and said, hey, I want to I want to get rid of PGA Tour. We want to bring this other tour in. It's going to pay more money to the players. He didn't do that. The LIV Golf Invitational is June 9th through the 11th in London, England. Now, Phil hasn't played in an official tour event since January, late January. Farmers Insurance Open. Uh, he missed the cut. Alan Shipnuck is the uh, author of the unauthorized biography. Um, and it basically said Phil was uh, involved with drawing up a working agreement for a breakaway league financed by Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. In it, Mickelson described the Saudis as scary, but said he was looking past their controversial history of human rights violations to gain leverage with the PGA Tour. Those are three words you never want to hear when you're backing someone. Human rights violations. That's something you don't want to hear. And I do believe, look, he's he's, uh, taken the criticism. He's removed himself from the game of golf for three months now. Um, you know, he had to answer to the PGA Tour commissioner. Uh, has he done enough penance? I don't know. That, that just depends on your point of view. But, again, he is eligible to play in the PGA Championship. He's a defending champion. They'll play it at uh, in Tulsa, Southern Hills Country Club, and that comes up May 19th through the 22nd. We'll see if he plays. The U.S. Open is in uh, in June at uh, Brookline in Massachusetts. We'll see if I I expect him to play in both of those. Uh, the U.S. Open's the one major he hasn't won. He still wants to win that thing, even though he's I think fifty one now. He's fifty one. All right. Well, all right. That's golf news for the day. That's golf news for the day. That was fun. Uh, I just find it very interesting to see what happens when he shows up at the PGA Tour, at the PGA Championship uh, in Tulsa. It's going to be interesting. Uh, unrelated non-sports news. I watched a very interesting documentary on Netflix over the weekend. Confessions of a Killer, the John Wayne Gacy serial killer tapes. Oh, man. Listen. You can watch all of these. It was, I think it's three-part miniseries, limited series is what they call it. Uh, and I, I watch a lot of this true crime stuff. My wife thinks I have an issue, but that's a whole other story. This one in particular, because you hear the voice of the killer, right? These are tapes that were made that have never been released. You hear the voice. You hear him talking about, um, you know, what led him to do these things? What led him to bury these all these bodies in his crawl space of his of his home? It's hard to sleep after watching this thing. It was hard to sleep. It was, uh, you know, you, I needed to watch Airplane or uh, Caddyshack or something after this because this was tough. I would recommend it. I think it's fascinating to go into the mind of, um, you know, of a serial killer and what what's going through that skull. But uh, you gotta you know don't eat anything that's uh, that might come back up while you're watching. Put it that way. All right, let's. Uh, 
I don't know what made me think of that. I was just thinking of what I watched this weekend. Let's uh, move on, shall we, to the NBA playoffs. Who would you rather be today? Who would you rather be, the Lakers or the Nets? Would, in other words, would you rather miss the playoffs altogether as one of the favorites coming into the season? All right, keep this in mind. The Brooklyn Nets and the Los Angeles Lakers were the two favorites to win the NBA title coming into the season, back in October, November. They were the two teams. LeBron had AD, and he was bringing in Russell Westbrook in L.A. Brooklyn had Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, the, big, the new big three. So they were co-favorites. Now the Nets make it to the play-in game. They make it into the playoffs to play the Celtics, and they get swept. Would you rather be the team that made it and was still, by a lot of accounts, expected to be one, expected to maybe win the East? They were considered one of the favorites to win the East, even as a seven seed after the play-in tournament. Right? Would you rather be that team that went on to lose four in a row, or would you rather be the Lakers? who by the middle of February, we sort of knew weren't going to be very good. This wasn't going to work. Russell Westbrook is not the Russell Westbrook we remember. Anthony Davis was hurt again. LeBron was hurt for a while. And the bench, which apparently is more important than most people give it credit for, was non-existent in Los Angeles. And they played no defense. Kind of like the Nets. They don't play defense. Who do you want to be here today? Now, the the – Quick and easy, not thinking about it answer is, I want to be in Brooklyn. At least I was in the playoffs. At least I had a shot. I don't know. I don't know. I think the Brooklyn Nets may be a bigger disappointment than the Los Angeles Lakers. They didn't win a game. They're the only team in the playoffs this season not going to win a game. Even Atlanta beat Miami once. Even Chicago beat Milwaukee once so far, and Atlanta so far. Boston 116, Brooklyn 112. Celtics are quickly becoming everybody's darling. I saw Jeff Van Gundy yesterday say he believes the Celtics are the best team left and they're going to win it. I saw Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated today basically say the same thing. Celtics are the best team left in the playoffs. Now, I don't know if Giannis and Milwaukee want to hear that. I don't want to know if the Miami Heat and Eric Spolster want to hear that. I don't know if the Phoenix Suns want to hear that. But Boston has played great defense, and it's been a great turnaround. Full disclosure, the Celtics were 23-21 and 21 at one point. I don't know what their record was when I went over and put 10 bucks on them to win it all, but they were 50-1 to 1 at that time. 50 to 1. And I only did it because it's my favorite team. I'll probably at some point do the same thing with the Cubs, even though it looks to me like they have no chance. But it certainly looked like the Celtics had no chance back in early January. It looked like they were going to be struggling to get into the playoffs, foregone conclusion, probably a first round exit if they got in. And now they're everybody's darling. They play great defense. They have the defensive player of the year. They're healthy. Their bench contributes. They have a two-headed monster. And they have a superstar in Jason Tatum 
that has no problem playing D and has no problem passing the basketball to open shooters, finding the better shot, and guarding the best player on the other team. He guarded Kevin Durant quite a bit during this series. He fouled out last night, but he had 29 points before he did. Jalen Brown added 22. Marcus Smart, 20 points, 11 assists, 5 rebounds. Rob Williams is back, the big center who hurt his knee late in the season. He came back in game three. He played a few more minutes even last night. Kevin Durant had 39. Kevin Durant had no help last night. No help. Kyrie had 20. Kyrie looked like he was ready to go home. If you're watching the game last night, and I was, Kyrie Irving looked as disinterested as you can look. Ben Simmons didn't show up to even sit on the bench. The Nets, who had the big three, had to trade one of them in the middle of the season because he was disgruntled. James Harden traded to Philly. We'll get to Philly, by the way. And Ben Simmons, all of a sudden, the back problem resurfaces. He didn't play. He hasn't played a game since the playoffs last year. And now he won't until next season, maybe. Boston now awaits the Toronto-Philadelphia Survivor. We thought it was going to be Philly. They had a 3-0 lead. We'll talk about that series after the break. Dallas over Utah last night in a big way. And we'll give you some winners tonight. Two for three last night. We'll try to do that again tonight for you. You're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Welcome back, Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Final segment of the day. Eminem Cartage hotline is open 384 1450. 384 1450 to join in on the conversation. Thorne's text line open as well 502 414. 1450 bats baseball tonight uh louisville bats back on uh, the road they're in columbus for a six game set that begins tonight 6 15 first pitch 5 45 i'm guessing for the uh, pregame tonight uh join uh, nick curran for all the action right here on the big x speaking of uh big x the big x 2022 sports radio golf card is now ready get yours today at bigxsportsradio.com or call 812 812- 725-1457. You can play Chariot Run, Elk Run, Valley View, Old Capital Golf Club, and Christmas Lake for under $25 a round, cart included. Supply is limited. Get yours today. Before I get to the rest of the NBA playoffs, let's get to the M&M Cartage Hotline. Bring in our friend Buzz Frank. How are you today, Buzz? I'm doing great, John. It was interesting hearing you talk about that uh, Celtics Net series because well, the point you brought up was something that the announcers were bringing up is the turnaround that the Celtics had from the middle of the season yeah. on. Yeah, Barkley talked about it a lot last night. Kenny Smith, I know Stan Van Gundy. Stan Van Gundy, by the way. I know Jeff Van Gundy gets a, a lot of love. He's the lead uh, color man for uh, ABC and ESPN. But Stan Van Gundy is as good as it gets, and he's as honest as it gets as far as a color commentator talking about the NBA. And he just said, look, the Nets aren't very good, and the Celtics have gotten really good ever since they tweaked a few things uh, in the middle of the year, and they they've been great. And I, I, you know, like I said, I'm a Celtic fan, but I'm also a pessimistic Celtic fan, like I am with every <laughs> like I yeah. am with everything. So I don't. I'm one of those guys. I don't want to believe they're as good as as they keep showing me they are, and uh, maybe that'll lead to a title. I don't know. Love watching them play though. Well. I- 
I think that trade that brought in Robert Williams the third really helped galvanize that team, and he gives them great minutes off the bench. And now that he's back, yeah. hopefully for the rest of the playoffs, I think that'll make a difference in their rotation and the numbers. But he goes to war on yeah. that floor. Yeah, and they needed him too, Buzz, on especially on the I, defensive I end. Daniel Tice has been good, and he's gotten the start. But Robert Williams is an eraser around the basket. He's a big-time rebounder. Uh, and if you get it to him in the right spot, he's you know he's gonna just gonna dunk it. He's one of those guys that's gonna be a layup or a dunk. He's not taking any eighteen footers, uh, but he bring he brings a lot of energy. He obviously at that position he gives you six more fouls, and you're not getting anything easy around the rim when he's in the game. That's for sure. I'd also like to be drinking from that fountain of youth that Al Horford's drinking from. <laughs> you know, it, it felt like he's been waiting for a couple of years just to come back to the Celtics. I think he was in two other spots. I know he was in Philly. He wasn't happy there. Yeah. He looks – you're right. He looks like he is rejuvenated. Grant Williams all of a sudden can play some defense, and he's knocking down threes. Grant Williams is going to be open. When you got Jalen Brown yeah. and, and, uh, and Jason Tatum on the floor driving to the bucket – Jay, Grant Williams is going to be open in the corner. If he's making threes, uh, that's lethal. And Peyton Pritchard, same thing. And then I, yeah, I, I was just going to bring him up, Pritchard. I mean, I know he came from Oregon, but I really never paid any attention to him. But here in the playoffs, he gave him some great minutes, especially down the stretch in, like, game three. Yeah, and he'll hit you a three-pointer when you're not expecting it as well. That's just a fun team to watch, and I tell you, People don't talk about defense, and people don't talk about bench. But they've got probably the best defense in the league and one of, if not the best, benches in the league. And that's that'll win you a championship. And, and I know you hear it all the time, well, they don't play defense in the NBA. But if you watch this series, you saw defense being played in both teams. And I gained even more respect, and I didn't think that was possible, but Kevin Durant, what a player! Yeah, I mean, I knew that all along. But I mean, I mean that step back, one-footed three that he hit <laughs> near the end of the right game. Right at the end, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, in, in your face, we're going to lose, but here you go. Yeah, I'm just going to throw this up for and, my 39th point. Yeah, incredible. Uh, and you know what? He's the only one that looked like he won. Poor Nick Claxton. Nick Claxton, one of eleven at the free throw line. Buzz, I can, oh, yeah. I can hit one of eleven at the free throw line. I promise you. Yeah, I think I could too. <laughs> Uh, I felt for the kid. I did. Shaq, Shaq was 0 of 8 in a playoff game one time, and this kid was 0 for 10 till he hit his last one. Um, mm. But, you know, it. other than Kevin Durant, it looked like these guys didn't even care to be there last night. It really did. He carried them to a four-point loss, or they lose that game by 30. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, but it definitely mattered to him. I mean, that's, that's the heart of a champion. He's not yeah. playing on a champion this year. But with what he did in the Olympics and, and what he's done at other stops along the way, I mean, just the way he played last night, he didn't want to go home. No, I agree. I'm not sure, like you, I'm not sure the rest of them didn't say that. Hey, real quick, I yeah. want to give a shout-out to a good friend of mine, I'm sure a good friend of yours as well, um, old St. X Tiger Jimmy just went into the Manual Hall of Fame on Sunday. I played softball with Jimmy for about 10 years. Uh, he was a couple of years. He's a year behind me, I think, at St. X. Um, boy, what a great coach, by the way. He did one, great things at Iroquois, just as great at Manual. And if there was ever anybody that deserved to be in Manual Hall of Fame, uh, it's him. That's for sure. Great person. Oh, great family and, man. And maybe the greatest 
one of the greatest persons anyway, sports aside, that yeah. I've been able to deal with in my years of being around manual high school and sports in general. I mean, just a, a true gentleman, uh, yeah. but don't let his quiet, uh, composed atmosphere <laughs> on the bench disguise that burning fire to win. I've seen him. I've seen him at practice. It's, it was a little different in practice. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I've heard some stories, some <laughs> locker room stories, too, but uh, we won't share that. But, yeah, Jimmy went in um, just and uh, had a large group of his family members there, and it was just exciting. I go every year uh, just to, to meet and greet people who may have been heroes to me growing up or whatever or who have come along after I went through there. And uh, it was a really good group, but uh, it was a standout. And I just wanted to give Jimmy some props here on the radio. I appreciate it. Thank you, Buzz. Appreciate the call as always. Yes, sir. Have a good one, John. See you. All right, buddy. Uh, and the other thing about Brooklyn is where do they go now? Here's the thing about Brooklyn. Kevin Durant, under contract, which is great. Ben Simmons, he's still got years on that contract. You're not going to be able to trade Ben Simmons. Kyrie Irving's due an extension, a max extension. Do you pay it? How do you, you're in a spot where how do you not pay it? How are you going to get better if you let him go? It's not helping your salary cap very much to let him go. You almost have to pay the max extension. And he's not going to take one year. He's not going to say, you know, I think Stephen A. Smith said the other day, you give this guy one year extensions. Don't give him anything more than one year because you don't know what you're going to get. You never know what you're going to get out of him. He's not going to take one year. He wants three years max contract. And he's going to get it from somebody. And if you're the Nets, what do you do? They're going to be favored next year to win it all. They are. If Ben Simmons is going to play and you got KD and Kyrie, they're going to be the favorites to win it all. And maybe rightfully so. Maybe rightfully so. But when you're playing the blame game here, and Kyrie in his post game, I mean, he is—he has no clue. He has no clue. He doesn't want to take any of the blame here. He missed half the games because he wouldn't get vaccinated. It's not Kevin Durant's fault. You can blame James Harden a little bit. He got disgruntled, didn't want to play with him anymore. They, uh, Tony Burke uh, texted me, yeah, uh, they did. They missed Joe Harris, a guy that could shoot, a guy that would be playing that, that Grant Williams role, shoot the basketball when you're open. He could get to the basket as well, play a little defense. Nobody on the team plays defense. I don't know what you do if you're Brooklyn other than just sign Kyrie and say, let's try it again next year. Uh, Toronto beat Philadelphia in Philly 103-88. to That series just got interesting because Philly now still leads 3-2. They had a 3-0 lead. No Fred Van Vliet for Toronto last night. They were still able to control the game and hold Philadelphia to 88 points on the night. Pascal Siakam had a double-double again. Joel Embiid had 20-11. James Harden, 15 points. Playoff James Harden has shown up again. He's never been good in the playoffs. He's never had his regular season numbers in the playoffs. He was 4 of 11 from the field last night. Now, I feel bad for Joel Embiid because he's playing with a basically a fractured thumb on his shooting hand. Torn ligament that he's going to have surgery on after the season on his shooting hand thumb. And he's 
throwing it to Harden, telling him, shoot the ball. Just shoot it. Harden took 11 shots. I don't know how much you want him to shoot when he's 4 for 11. You don't want him to all of a sudden be 4 for 16. But Philadelphia's got a real problem now. They got a real problem because Toronto's not going away. They're not going to guard James Harden until he hits some shots. They're going to slow down Maxie, and they're going to say, Joel, you're going to have to score 50 to beat us. Game five is Thursday at 7. Philadelphia early is a one-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. Uh, by the way, Zach Levine just went into health and safety protocols for the Bulls. They've got Milwaukee tomorrow night in Milwaukee in a game five. Good luck without Zach Levine. Dallas beat Utah 102-77 to last night. They take a 3-2 lead in that series. Luka was great, 33 points, 13 rebounds, 5 assists. Utah was 3-for-30 from long range. That's their game. That's why they scored 77 points. 3-for-30 from three-point land. Um, Rudy Gobert had 17-11. and 11. He was the only Jazz player in double figures. If you didn't stay up late enough to watch it, and most of you probably didn't, Donovan Mitchell – tweaked his hamstring late in that game. He is being evaluated today, and like all of us, he's day-to-day. But uh, they go back to, da- back to Utah, excuse me, for game six. They need Donovan Mitchell. They need Donovan Mitchell. We'll see if he can play. Uh, I think that game is tomorrow. All right, let's get to tonight's. Uh, I gave you two winners last night. I had Dallas and Toronto. Uh, again, I gave you Brooklyn. That worked out perfect for me. My Celtics, I took Brooklyn all four games. The Celtics swept them. I don't care who the Celtics play. I'm taking the other team right off right off the bat. I'm going to bet against the Celtics every game. That way, maybe they win a title. Uh, 7 o'clock, Atlanta-Miami game five. Miami's up three games to one, playing at home. NBA TV has that game. Miami's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. They have blown out the Bulls or the uh, Hawks the last couple of games. They figured out how to slow down Trey Young. I don't think that changes tonight. I'm going to take the Heat and give the six and a half uh, in a probably a low scoring game. This one's going to be like 102 to 89. Uh, but give me Miami in that game. Uh, 7:30 in the West. TNT doubleheader begins with Minnesota at Memphis. Series tied at two. Memphis is a two seed. If they want to prove. They are who we thought they were or who I think they are. Then they'll cover this six-point spread and win handily tonight. This one's going to be a high-scoring game, unlike the other two tonight. Uh, but I like Memphis tonight. I think uh, they they learned their lesson from losing game one at home. They did, you know, you go in, you have high hopes, and you, you lay an egg. That won't happen again tonight. Give me Memphis minus the six. 10 o'clock, New Orleans at Phoenix. Series tied at two apiece. Sort of a must-win for Phoenix here, but Devin Booker's not coming through that door right now. He's out for the rest of this series. It's a big number. I'm going to take New Orleans in the six-and-a-half. That's a talented team with Valachunas and uh, C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram. They can score the basketball. I'm taking New Orleans plus the six. So Miami minus six-and-a-half, Memphis minus six, and the Pelicans plus six-and-a-half. Those are the picks for tonight. Uh, Bats in Columbus tonight here on the Big X, 6-15 first pitch. Uh, the Columbus Clippers, I believe. 5:45 is the pregame. Join Nick Curran for all the action of Bats baseball tonight on the Big X. I'll be back tomorrow with Tony Burke in studio. Thanks for listening to Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X.